Welcome to the other side of midnight, that, uh, you know, magical time between dusk and dawn when anything can happen, and this morning, or this evening, wherever you are, it's going to. You know, I really think we are under attack, and I just got a piece of email from one of our listeners who sent it to me just before showtime. It's posted now in our news links. Uh, This is going to be a wild and woolly ride tonight. Because something is going on, something major, something that they, whoever they are, uh, I mean, we know who the official they's are, but this is perhaps even at a higher level, that they're not telling us. And that is that for the last several weeks, strange, bizarre things have been going on that we are not supposed to know about. Um, And I'll try to get to these in chronological order. So let me send you where we need to go so you can see what's going on. If you're listening to us on any medium, radio, on the stream, on uh, the uh, internet, you go to theothersideofmidnight.com, if you're on TalkStream Live, you do this as well, and you click on our banner tonight for July 14th, Sunday, July 14th, is the U.S. Navy under secret attack along with other anomalous global occurrences? And my answer is, I think so. And we're going to try to substantiate that with my guest tonight, Robert Stanley, of the Unicus Radio Hour and Unicus Magazine, who has ported himself back from Hong Kong several weeks ago and is now resident once again in the continental United States on the West Coast, I think in Palm Springs, although he did mention something about being at the beach tonight. So we'll, we'll find out more about that when we bring him on. Let me uh, direct you to go to the banner for Sunday night here on our main page on our homepage. Click on that banner. That will take you to the guest page tonight, our show page. Scroll down, and you will see a series of news items uh, in Radio with Pictures. My first item, of course, is going to highlight what happened last night. Just before we were going to go on the air, I had a minor power outage. I mean, it took everything else out here, but it was minor considering what we're going to talk about in a moment. Uh, We had a thunderstorm going through. Actually, we had several and I'm in the desert, and occasionally it just takes out the local power, and it's a couple, three hours, and then they're able to put it back on. That's what happened to me. But in New York City, beginning like in early evening, um, a bizarre section of Manhattan suddenly went dark from 39th Street to 72nd Street, for those of you who know New York, on the west side, and from 5th Avenue west to the Hudson River, something like a uh, several square miles of Manhattan went totally dark. So if you go to the other side of midnight.com, click on the banner for tonight, July 14th, and then that will take you to the show page. Scroll down. There are a couple of news items there. Huge power outage hits New York City on anniversary 
of infamous 1977 blackout. Now, what made this very strange is that exactly 42 years ago from last night, New York was hit in 77 by a major power outage that took out the entire city and adjacent boroughs, and there were all kinds of looting incidents, and there was some rioting. This was during Lyndon Johnson administration. So further down that page, you're going to see other links to historical analyses of what happened. Uh, link number two is another story. Uh, New York power outage grinds Manhattan to halt plunging Times Square into darkness. Um, anyway, what I find intriguing is that these, the ceremonial, ritual, symbolic um, aspects of this should not escape anyone. Because if the power outage indeed went from 39th Street to 72nd Street, those are not random numbers. And from 5th Avenue over to past the West Side Highway to the river. That is the section of Manhattan where the highest priced, you know, fanciest apartments are gathered. The upper one-tenth of one percent, as they say. Um, it's also, if you look at 39, that's twice 19.5. 72, of course, is the 72 processional years of the Earth's axis nodding in space as the planet rotates. Um, we go through, you know, one um, a processional degree in 72 years of the Earth's 26,000-year-long uh, processional cycle. I may have one of those numbers wrong. I have to do the calculation, but 72 years is, I think maybe it's more like one one arc minute, eh, in, in a break I'll figure it out. The point is that these are not random numbers. And if someone was trying to send a message, like turning off part of the busiest uh, mercantile city on the planet, um, that would get someone's attention. And as uh, my guest tonight and I are going to discuss, a whole series of things have been happening over the last couple of weeks which appear to be designed to get our attention. And when I say our attention, I don't mean us. I don't mean, you know, folks on the radio, folks listening to the radio, folks watching television, folks going on vacation, folks at the beach tonight. I'm talking about the folks that run the planet, the intelligentsia running the United States, the European Union, um, the, um, the, you know, Russian uh, Federation, uh, China, Japan, etc., 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 if that's what's going on, we can then piece a, a partial timeline that we've worked out to show how these things all could be kind of integrated together. Anyway, without further ado, let me introduce Robert. Um, Robert Stanley is the author of two groundbreaking books, Close Encounters on Capitol Hill and Covert Encounters in Washington, D.C., both dealing with UFO activity above and around the U.S. Capitol, the White House, the Pentagon, and in general, uh, Washington itself. Um, his uh, passionate pursuit of modern and ancient mysteries has uh, enabled him and encouraged him to travel to some 58 countries in 57 years. And that may actually not be a correct number either, because he keeps traveling. And if we count coming back to the U.S., that means it's 58 and 58. His quest for unique ideas and information has led him to research and write about a, a wide range of very controversial topics. His ongoing investigations have been featured on television, 
radio, print, the internet, and tonight, the other side of midnight. Formerly, uh, Robert was a corporate journalist for Honda Research and Development. Currently, he is the host of the Unicus Radio Hour. He has served as a correspondent for America's Morning News and America's Radio News Network, and he's currently employed as corporate editor for International Social Compliance Service that apparently does not want to be identified on this show. Just kidding, Robert, just kidding. Robert was born in 1959, just a spring chicken. Is a native of Los Angeles, California, grew up in Malibu, and in 2008 moved to southern New England with his wife, son, and dog, and I think that dog was Charlie. I'll check on that. In 2015, he relocated his family to Asia, to Hong Kong. He enjoys surfing, hiking, motorcycles, tennis, photography, composing music, and, like moi, figuring out mysteries. (laughs) Robert, welcome to The Other Side of Midnight. Wow, Richard, thank you for that wonderful introduction, and uh, it's a pleasure to be with you again. Well, we, this is a kind of a continuation of the show we did on yeah. Friday night. Uh, yeah. Robert sent me an email earlier in the week, and he said, you want to come on the Unicus Radio Hour on Friday? And I took one look, and I thought, oh. So I sent him back an email, and I said, okay, I'll do that <laughs> if you'll do my show on Sunday. And yeah. that actually was the creation of the California earthquake. <clears throat> you never know who's listening, but I, hey, I, I, I always appreciate speaking with you, Richard. It's a privilege and a pleasure, uh, and especially your audience. I know you have a very, very well-educated audience and uh, well-informed, I should say, about what's going on in the world. So hopefully we can talk to some of the audience later in the show. Uh, we open the phone in the third hour. I'll give out the numbers. I won't give okay. them out now because some people just can't wait. And believe me, you will not get yeah. stuck in line. You'll be able to access the show on in the third hour. And we also have a surprise guest I'm going to bring on for a very right. important kind of in-person story about the earthquake. So, mm-hmm. Robert, um, yeah. where should we begin? Well, let me tell you, I, I came back, my, I should say my wife and I and my son, came back. Unfortunately, Charlie did pass away in September of last year while we were in Hong Kong, but he was 17 and a half. So uh, he had a really, really long life. And uh, uh, he loved Hong Kong. Right. I mean, he really that was he was so happy because there was a lot of just so many other dogs there in in the apartment complex. And even though apartments are not a great place for a pet. Mm -mm. uh, Well, he was not a small pet. He was a large dog. No, no, no. He was just a medium sized uh, Sheltie. Uh, yeah, but he wasn't but a Pekingese. It, when I say large, I'm oh, thinking, oh, you know, yeah. Yeah, Morala yeah, yeah. was was like 75, 80 pounds. And char- they had they had some dogs. They did have bull mastiffs in that building where we were living all the way down to the little tiny poodles and, and, and uh, what do you call, uh, pa- pe- pe- not Pekingese, uh, Pomeranians. Mm-hmm. Every kind of dog you could think of was there. And, and the thing is, Charlie loved it. So we were happy for him. Uh, you, you know, it's always hard to let go, let him go. But uh so that the the thing is, uh, why I bring it up is that we came back April first. I'm not kidding. We actually came back, and it was, it it really. We thought we were going to stay uh, seven years because if we'd done that, we would have been able to. We would have been eligible for residency, not mm. citizenship. Residency meaning we could have come and gone whenever we liked without a visa, and even purchased property and other things like work. We could have worked, continue working without a visa. So, and, uh, and, and to make everybody so they, they understand, Hong Kong used to be a British colony. Until and, 1997. And was ceded to China. Back the, to know. China. And, and they had huge protests back then, 
just 22 years ago, I believe is what I read today, just before the show, a friend of mine, I, I made a lot of friends there. I consider it my third home. So um, uh, New England is my second. Well, you got out this time when the getting was good because – Well, we, we actually went in when the – in early 2015, just as the, the prote- some protests were just ending. They called it the umbrella protest. It started in late 2014, ended in early 2015, shortly after we arrived. And when we left in uh, April 1st of uh, 20, this year, 2019, the protest started up like r- almost right after we left. So at the, they, what my friends are telling me is um, this is the worst it's ever been. The, the current uh, head of the government there, her name is Carrie Lamb. She has offered to step down and resign, which is what the protesters want. But because she was selected by Beijing, they said, no way, you cannot um, you can, we're not going to let you step down. Okay. So that's where it's a very, very bad situation. And, mm. uh, so that you have a lot of, you know, uh, different local groups are fighting each other, different generations, like the, the, the middle-aged men are fighting with the younger men in the street. It's, it's bad. It's bad. In fact, I don't, I'm sure we're not getting all, all of what's going on there. Mm. But anyway, I just thought I'd bring that up because, because we're talking about, you know, us being under attack. But the, the whole world, if you look at it, which I do, unfortunately, I'm just crazy like that. I, I monitor the news like you do, and, and, and it's not good. It's really not good right now. Unless it's the darkness before the dawn. I hope you're right. Well, I really hope so. I'm watching things occur in ways that are very, in, in this model, which we're going to talk about tonight, about we're under yeah. attack, that are very surgical. For instance, yeah. let's let's start with the California earthquake. Right. You have two major quakes, a 6.4 and then a 7.1, you know, a day later. And one guy dies in a completely bizarre freak kind of accident. He was under apparently his Jeep and when the when the rocking and rolling started, uh, the the car rolled off the jacks and pinned him underneath and he he died. But yeah. to have a 7.1 underground, under Ridgecrest, a few miles north, and to have only one person die? Yeah, strange. That's that's totally bizarre. It's like these sites were picked so there would be the maximum news exposure, but a minimum of property damage and loss of life. In fact, there was a link uh, that I tried to put up tonight for you that now is unserviceable. Gosh, I wonder why. (laughs) <laughs> and, it, and it said something like, you know, professional geophysicists find anomalies about the California earthquake they can't explain. You yeah. think? Well, that, and, okay, so the other unintended consequences is that um, a lot of people now are finally learning about China Lake military installation run by the Navy. It's the largest naval installation on the planet for the U.S. Navy. It's it's bigger than Area 51 underground, as far as I'm told, and it's, it's bigger than Rhode Island. I'm told it's it's big as Rhode Island, but most of the stuff is underground. The, the way that people access the underground facility is in Ridgecrest. Ah. There's a special. There's a building. They drive into the building, and then they don't come out until after their shift well, is over. There's thirty thousand people that live in this little town of Ridgecrest. I mean, thirty thousand people is not a village. That's a major town. Right, but what the what local people say is that when certain shifts at the base end, 
the traffic just people just appear out of nowhere and suddenly <laughs> there's like traffic jams but they're not you don't see them coming off the base it's because they come out of underground whatever, tunnels underground tunnels into like a secure facility let's let's just say a warehouse or something like that mm-hmm. i don't know exactly where it is but it's in ridgecrest from what i've been able to so, so let's 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 do a little speculation ahead. you've got yeah. you've got basically um, um you know walmart sized parking lots like that yeah and all those cars and they go into these buildings and they go down to the sub shuttles and they yeah. take a train in a tunnel up to the base and uh, then, I was told they drive in themselves, so that's why I said if they drive their car into a warehouse, yeah. then they access a tunnel that takes them underground in the warehouse. So in other words, the, the entrance is not visible, mm. and they, allegedly they're taking their own cars because, like I said, the traffic increases exponentially with this shift when a shift ends at the base. But there's, you, no, it, it might be nice to fly a, a civilian drone over some of these places just to kind of hang out and take a look and yeah. see what's happening. Yeah, the guy at Leak Project, Rex Bear, claimed he was going to do that, and I got really worried when he said he was going to do that because that is not a place that you mess around with like that. They're they're. Um, well, Ridgecrest. No, oh, oh, Ridgecrest. It's a billion territory. No, uh, I'm at China Lake. No, no, no. I'm talking about Ridgecrest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, yeah, just but to he, see he where, to, what buildings were suddenly a lot of people or cars are suddenly flooding out of. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, that, okay. That's look, and here's this one bringing up. A lot of people are focused now on China Lake. Most of them had no idea that it even existed until shortly after the quake. People like you and I and others, other talk show hosts, uh, Clyde Lewis and Jeff Rents and others, they've been discussing it. And it's like a domino effect now. There's more and more people are piling on with their their pieces of the puzzle. Oh, I've had in emails some of the most bizarre claims about China Lake. Yeah, my direct experiences with a physicist there many years ago, when cold fusion hit as a major thingy, yeah. Um, yeah. somehow we connected. I forget whether he called me or I called him, and I was trying to get him to run kind of on the on the sly a cold fusion tabletop experiment to see wow. if it was as simple to do as Pons and Fleischmann had claimed. Right, and this went on for months and months, and of course in those days we didn't have email. It was all by phone. Um, uh, it, was, it was basically by phone. And ultimately, he claimed he couldn't do anything because he couldn't get any funding. Yeah. Yeah, he was kind of rigid that way. To me, it would have been find a couple of pieces of palladium, soak them in hydrogen or deuterium, and see, you know, I mean, where's, where's the get-up-and-go spirit of America? Yeah, we looked at that at Honda when I was there at Honda Research and Development. Uh, I mean, we were we were interviewing people that were doing those experiments and it was actually pellets palladium pellets mm-hmm. because something about the surface area it increases it when instead of just having like a chunk of it when you have the pellets it increases the surface area and hence the you know the reactivity uh allegedly and so i do think there's something to it it's not cold it's just not it's not as hot as let's say fission but you know honda was also looking at um fusion you mean, and, uh, you, mean, you mean hot fusion? Yeah, okay. but specifically a neutronic fusion. And the the thing was that you know the only field that we seemed to know about at the time was uh, uh, helium three. Although there was other people that made a lot of claims on this, uh, but the bottom line is that it was the containment, uh, like a magnetic bottle for a re- uh, for a fusion reactor, just it never could contain it properly. Mm. And and so. Ultimately, they said, you know, it was 
going to be many, many, many years before they they figured it out. Well, the, uh, one of our mutual friends that we cannot divulge who his, his work is <laughs> just I, some we're, we're going to have a few of those tonight. Yeah. Okay. So he works for a three letter agency, but the bottom line is this one day he, and and he worked in aerospace for the Navy and stuff like that. Is this the guy that that Robin and I had dinner with in you? Yes. Okay. Yes. So one day I'm talking to this character and I brought this up and he said, Oh, the Navy already solved that problem. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, you know, like those, you know, the, those uh, composite materials on the shuttle. And I said, yeah. And he goes, it's like that, but way better. And and I said, really, it can contain uh, the, the heat of a fusion reaction. And he said, he said, you know, the Navy has been working with fission reactors for decades. Well, Rick, Rick over, you know, the Nautilus, et cetera. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so this kind of is going to dovetail back to what we were talking about before about Space Navy. Uh, because if they did break that barrier. Yeah, uh, I really think that Trump has missed a calling here. He should have called it yeah. the Space Navy. Maybe we can, you know, mount a letter writing campaign. Well, well, hang on, hang on. Since you brought this up, because I've been studying space fleet for um, ever since this came up, it's actually going to be, even though it's a separate branch, it's going to be a multi-agency branch, and it will supersede all other um, uh, branches as far as procurement of weapons, manpower, materiel, and it's going to. Call, you mean having to do with space? Uh, well, yeah, but it's going to pull in the best and the brightest from all the branches are going to end up in this new space force. No, well, no, wait, 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 wait. Does this sound like something to just defend satellites in low Earth orbit? Not at all. No, absolutely not. And it's not new, by the way. It's Look, it's been around for a while. Trump is taking credit for it. It wasn't a, just a, a screwball idea that he just came up with when he was down at, uh, I think, at Miramar. Mm-hmm. He's addressing the Marines. That's where he made and, the and first in fact, announcement. The, this character that we're not going to name on your show, uh, <laughs> that's where he was working for many years before I met him. And even after I met him, that was kind of his base of operations was well, when, with the well, Navy. Well, when we – oh, interesting. Yeah. Even though he worked for aerospace, his main assignment was working with, as a liaison for a three-letter agency and the Navy. When we had that dinner, he was working for a major aerospace company that everybody knows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Can we, but, can you we know, mention look, that one for credibility? Uh, yeah, TRW. TRW, but the, yeah. The thing is, yeah. look, the, the CIA has people in... Every, <laughs> everywhere, of course. Everywhere, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Including media. You know, they have offices, but they do have... Every government contractor definitely has at least one CIA person. And NASA has them on, on board, too. That was made very clear to me. Uh, they have agents that are stationed there to. Hell, ABC, CBS, and NBC yeah. had them on board. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, I know. I forget what's the name of that that show. Was it Alias or something? Alias. Uh, that it, it, it was about the CIA, and it was actually they said that they um, they helped uh, write all of those shows because they wanted to do supposedly like. Oh, uh, was that the one with Jennifer Garner? So, yeah, like oh, that. that's where I fell in love with Jennifer Garner. Yes, yes. It, yeah, alias, I yes. never really watched it. I was just aware. Oh, it was, of the it was very cool. Were... Very cool. Yes. Yeah. Well, in any case, I'm just saying. There yes, was there was another one that I thought was even closer to the mark called Seven Days. Ooh, remember that one? Do you mean the movie? No, 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 this, no, no. This was a TV so, series. Oh, okay. And it may run on you know the Me Network or something someday, or HDI with Heroes and Action Network or something. Seven days involved the CIA 
and they had invented a time machine. Oh my God! And they could send a a chrononaut uh, <laughs> back seven days to <sighs> try to change the timeline and prevent a disaster from ever occurring. Hmm. And but they they were limited by seven days, which sounded very biblical to me. Yeah. But but it was right up front. You know, this is a CIA kind of program and of course you know tongue in cheek because as I said to Whitley one night when we had dinner here in Albuquerque I said you know Whitley I have the feeling that the agency has a time machine and mm. and when I have Whitley come back on the show he's going to come back on in the fall I'm going to okay. bring that conversation back to the fore and kind of give the background as to why I would ask him whether he had ever had things happen in his life like have happened in my life which indicate that someone had a time machine. Okay, strange. That makes perfect. No, that makes perfect sense to me. Even though I, I know it sounds strange. Uh, yeah, this this series was called Seven Days. It was actually quite well done, and it was okay. really out there. And I'm surprised that you don't remember it because I would have thought you would have. You know, no. Alias was much more conventional. Seven yeah, Days was very out there. Yeah, I don't want to watch a lot of TV uh, anymore. I'm too busy doing research. As you, you know, you can see all the emails stacking of Brookings. <laughs> Remember, Brookings set out the Bible for all this. In the 1950s, in 1959, when NASA had been born in 58 by Eisenhower, and then they set up something called the Long Range Committee, the NASA people commissioned the Brookings Institute, the preeminent political think tank in Washington, to conduct research into the effect of NASA upon both domestic and geopolitics. And they reported in this document called the Brookings Report, that's our name for it, it actually has a much more long, longer formal name, that basically all kinds of things were going to hit the fan, but not before 20 years. So they then mm -hmm. recommended at the end of this report that a whole educational program be instigated among the American people, and in essence the world, because our media, you know, are the the, the light of the world in terms of copycat. You yeah. Know, Hollywood, tentpole movies, magazines, etc. Movie stars, you know, glamour. Now the internet stars, what they call influencers. Yeah. You know, all right. in. I love that term, influencers. What the mm. heck is an influencer? You know, someone who gets you to buy milk, I guess. Anyway, <laughs> Brookings said that we had to have, we as a culture, had to have a dedicated program, decades-long program, to basically educate and acculturate and to, you know, acclimate people when when they found out that we're not alone, that there are aliens out there, that they wouldn't freak out. And so they recommended shows, Not they didn't do this by name, but they recommended genres like science fiction, movies, television series, and what do we get? We got Star Trek. We got Star Wars. Yeah. We got yeah. all everything, the, the, the whole Marvel Universe series. I mean, the other night, I saw a mainstream pundit who's written a major national security uh, book bring up the um, uh, Hydra from you know Captain America on wow. network television as a model for what's going on. What? Yes. <laughs> and and his name will come to me in a minute. He's a, he's a really, really elegant, interesting black guy who's written this phenomenal book. When I saw the book and you know saw him speak the first time, I said, somebody's better scarf him up because he knows what he's doing. He's had 30-some years 
in this business. And sure oh. enough, one of the networks, you know, appropriated him, paid him, and he's now a consultant, you know, on oh. the air, regular, real time. He brought up Captain America and Hydra and compared it to politically what's going on now vis-a-vis Putin and the right-wing movements all over the world, you know, to grace uh, create these these new fascist states like Hungary, well, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, but we have a problem with that here as well. Too. Of course we like do. For, course for example, do. like Project Paperclip bringing those Nazis and who are obviously still in alignment with others, well, are you kidding? Were, yes, of What's course that? they were. Anyway, they were allied with. So anyway, yeah, yeah, go ahead. yeah. Anyway, so the the point I'm making is that here is a mainstream guy using a mainstream Hollywood reference mm-hmm. to relate to modern geopolitical concerns and you know international uh, leanings, right wing, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, it's art imitating life, but yes, I think programming is is very useful. And you know, Bob Dean, uh, Command Sergeant Major Robert O. Dean, for people who don't know. Yeah, hey, hang <laughs> on. Look at him. Okay, we're we're actually, we were Robert, about uh, Robert, he told actually, me that. We're actually at the bottom of the hour. We gotta oh, actually okay. take okay. a break. So let's see. What All was right. I? I was gonna do something here. What was I gonna do? Oh, this is what I was gonna do. Ah, darn, 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 darn. I'm mixing up my metaphors here. So let's let's do this. Okay. Sorry about that. I get right. I get too caught up in the in the program. You're not <laughs> supposed to get up caught up in the program. So you're on the other side of midnight, and from the land of enchantment here in New Mexico, the great American Southwest, as Art used to say, if you think those sound like war drums, you're right, because maybe we are secretly at war.
And welcome back, everyone, to the other side of midnight on this Sunday night, July 14th. God, we're halfway through um, the year. Halfway through the year. Amazing. By the way, I want to apologize for a couple of our technical hitches. We've had some peculiar things happening. I'm not quite sure why. Part of it could be due to our kind of changing format. And part of it could be due to the stuff we're talking about tonight. Robert, um, let me bring you back on here. Um, I wanted to go kind of in-depth, pun intended, in this earthquake as a kind of a prelude to a series of rather bizarre historical geopolitical events that have happened in the last couple of weeks that all seem to be fitting into this meta-pattern that I have been proposing, which is that we're under some kind of secret attack. And when I say we, I don't mean you and me or people listening. I'm talking about the power structure of the major nations on this planet. And, you know, just to jump right into it, I think maybe somebody off-planet is trying to, shall we say, send messages. And they're doing it in very interesting ways. You want to pick up on that? Yeah, I mean, unless, from my perspective, I want to be clear. I do feel like there are off-world agendas that are playing out here. And I I'm, just want people to know what I'm talking about. There is benevolent and malevolent both. As far as their, their perspective of us, uh, as we were talking on my show about us being enslaved, that seems to be part of the narrative. Uh, I know it's not pleasant, but and I, I'm really looking forward to it ending. But I don't think, like, if, for those who, who actually feel that we are their property, their slaves, basically um, citizens, not citizens, what do you call it, subjects of, a, of their empire, they wouldn't just give us up easily, even if there was a benevolent force or forces that said, you know what, it's wrong what you're doing, enslaving those people on that world. Uh, and and it, it, it just isn't going to go down like like one day they're going to suddenly grow a conscience and go, oh, yeah, you're right. We shouldn't do that anymore. Here, you can <laughs> we're going to let them go free. Hmm. Well, you know, have you ever heard of a guy named Charles Fort? Of course. I know he, he said that, yes. Where he thinks he thought we were someone's property. Yeah, he wrote a, a kind of a tome called, what was it, The Book of the Damned? Yes. Back in the 1920s. <laughs> he, was, he was a journalist uh, who kind of branched out before anybody else into this, you know, other side of midnight type stuff. And yep. he wrote this huge book, hardcover book. You can find it in the library. It's called The Book of the Damned. And it, uh, it, it, it documents with really good sourcing from newspapers all over the world in the 1800s, the late 1800s, the early 1900s, up to the 1920s, I guess he continued it through the 30s, all kinds of occurrences where really, really, really weird stuff happened. I mean, really bizarre stuff, like fish falling from you know perfectly clear skies, that kind of thing. And right. the conclusion of his book was that there was a secret war going on upstairs, and we were kind of caught in the middle because we were property. And someone was vying to get us away from our owners. This is Charles yep. Fort's model. Yeah, it's. I know it's not a new idea. I just, I'm bringing it up again because a lot of people haven't heard of Charles exactly. Fort. Also, exactly, exactly. Zacharias Sitchin's conclusions were that I don't agree with all his interpretations of Sumerian text or cuneiform. But um, essentially that's... That's what's going on. I mean, even though it's been badly mangled, Christianity and other, like the Dead Sea Scrolls, 
it talks about this battle between um, d- different factions, hmm. you know, the sons of light versus the sons of darkness. I mean, we kind of see that is it's just we, we, we take it for granted now because we, we've been involved in it for so long. And I think we've actually um, suffered so much trauma that there is a, a collective amnesia that has to be healed in order for us to go forward. Also, the fact that a lot of the authentic or accurate records have been with, withheld over the years, uh, millennia, actually, from us to keep us ignorant intentionally. Well, it seems almost like it's, it's, an, it's an agreement. Our governments don't want us to know. Right. The extraplanetary governments, uh, you know, Dolan's breakaway civilization is the one I'm thinking of. They don't want us yeah. to know. Apparently. The true aliens, for whatever reason, they don't want. Nobody wants us to know, <laughs> which is really bad because in any normal movie scenario, there'd be some bunch of good guys who are coming to liberate us and let us know. Well, wouldn't okay, you think? You, yes, and I've well, I've actually encountered entities like that periodically. You see, when I started having my close encounters in Malibu, I didn't know who was who. But it was obvious that there was a distinct difference between, you know, certain entities. You know, it's it, it's it's just like when you meet anybody, whether, whether they're from on or off this planet, you can you can get a sense of what they they're all about in a pretty good short amount of time. You can figure it out. Uh, I mean, it took me longer before I could actually say that I was I had any inkling of what was going on. I mean, that's the only reason I'm doing this kind of research and reporting is because I had personal experiences with these entities. And sometimes they, they do, they are like uh, wolves in sheep's clothing. So they, that's a good trick. That's typical of psychopathic behavior. You know, they, they, they claim they're, they're here to help you <laughs> when in fact they're, that's, it's just the opposite. So it's, it's a very convoluted situation. It's, it, it is very complex. It's not incomprehensible, though. Honestly, anybody can understand it if it's presented properly. You know? And it's not been put in the proper context, in my opinion. Most people are very disoriented uh, because they lack orientation. They don't have the proper context. And it's really hard for us to be able to then, even if I had, um, and I have a lot of different information that I feel is accurate, it, for a lot of people, it just doesn't make sense because they've been lied to for so long. And again and again and again. Yeah, they certainly have been. So if there's yeah. this agreement that nobody's supposed to know, yeah. uh, that really puts us in a kind of a down place. Okay, well, so when it comes to dealing with the benevolent, yeah, when the, but the benevolent ones, you can tell the way that they comport themselves is that they do not violate our free will. They will never do that. So this is where it gets very dicey, is that because of a lot of us have been lied to for multiple lifetimes here, we've been imprisoned here and basically abused and, and, uh, and confused on top of it all, uh, what happens is that our consciousness is distorted. So we wouldn't know who to reach out to for help and may not even understand that it's available to us. So mm. it's a problem. It's a problem because from the benevolent ones from their perspective they cannot violate our free will so unless we know how to interact with them and it's not it's not about begging but it's like here's the thing when i asked them for uh clarity let's say on a, on a specific matter they gave it to me it, they helped me but they didn't actually do the work for me 
and they would never have forced it on me. Uh, I'll give you an example. Like I was looking into this, this whole concept of people hearing voices, and schizophrenia, what the Catholic Church calls essentially possession, uh, which is something I encountered in Malibu. And it, it, it led me into all this whole, down this crazy rabbit hole. The bottom line is this. I, after years of researching this and experiencing it myself, I couldn't figure it out. So I sat down and I had this mental conversation because I know they're listening. They've demonstrated that to me a, a, a few times very clearly that they're listening. They, they, can, they can literally monitor our thoughts and feelings remotely. It, it's, it's not a pleasant feeling, Richard, by the way. The first time they did it to me, I almost wrecked my motorcycle uh, when I was going through the mountains. It's, it freaked me out so bad. Um, because here's how what here's here's where it goes. I'm riding through the motor through the mountains, and I could just get that that really strong impression that someone was watching me, even though I was all alone. I was up in the mountains. It was completely dark, and and so I did this little experiment. I said mentally, I said, I know you're up there. Why don't you just show yourself? And as soon as I had that thought, they switched the light on in the craft, and I damn near wrecked my bike. I I. I I was in such a state of shock hmm. that, that 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 not only was I right that they were there. You but know, this comes listening. under the under the rubric. Be careful what you wish for. Well, I, I, again, I wasn't sure. It was. I thought, oh, this is. Let's just try. I'm having this feeling. Let's just let's do a little thought experiment. That's exactly what I was. That's what went through my mind. But when I got the result, it was. Shocking! It doesn't really even begin to describe. I mean, I literally was shaking all over, and I had to pull my bike over because I stopped looking at the road. I realized I was, I was going to wreck my bike in the mountains. And to and say nothing they, of yourself. <clears throat> yeah, and I and and as soon as they saw how freaked out I was, they shut the light off. But they were definitely following me with in a stealth mode. Hmm. And so, so anyway, anyway, the bottom line is this: I realized after a few times that they were doing this, that they were, you know. I had some connectivity. I figured, okay, this is a violation of my privacy, but wait a minute. It's also an opportunity uh, to interact with them at, remotely because it's not – I guess it's a long way of saying it's not safe for them, Richard. If this is a war zone, if this is like behind enemy lines for them, mm -hmm. they can't just walk down the street and go, hey, I'm a benevolent – what you know. Uh, extraterrestrial here to help that, that's your 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 you, target you want to hear a really really bizarre thought i had the other day and then it turns out of course it wasn't original someone else had <laughs> thought of it before me ever since we have gone through this paroxysm post 9 yeah. 11 yeah. of magnetometers and strip searches at airports and little old ladies being patted down and you know 10 year old kids being you know pushed Have their up against diapers the, checked exactly you know a 10 month old yeah <laughs> I've been wondering who are they, meaning the U.S. government, really yeah. searching for? And I, oh, was, yeah. and I was thinking, if you basically have a whole bunch of humans that are not from here, their, yep. their, their home is somewhere higher than 50,000 feet, and they're kind of spread among us as, as spies or as intelligence gatherers, or on the ground. Or influencers. Truth influencers. check. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe. Let's not get there yet. Let's just okay. think of them as passive gathering right. of intelligence because you can't trust the media. Yeah. If our guys didn't want them guys to know what's going on, yeah. would they infiltrate us by people who look totally human, would human. pass to the 
nth decimal place and is all this security everywhere designed yeah. to find them not terrorists would, not al-qaeda but the right. real ets who are human who are passing among us because they're the intelligence network of the guys upstairs who are trying to understand what the hell is going on down on yep. earth i totally agree with you it's called the global surveillance system for a reason echelon was the original name and then it became well no actually it later it came it, anyway see so it's, is, so it's not original with me anyway but it just kind of no, struck no, no, me many, you're, many hey, years you're ago up a, it's a very important point i have said that for years we can't all be terrorists so why are they surveilling everybody exactly it doesn't make any sense it, it doesn't it's make so any over sense. the top it's such an you know there used to be this when i was you know <clears throat> learning physics I used to have professors who would say to me, you know, getting that last decimal point, if it costs you half your budget, forget about it. Mm. All right, with with a, with a major, you know, uh, Italian accent, forget about it. <laughs> the idea that you're surveilling everybody—it's like, what are you really looking for? Yeah. Uh, years and years ago, when I was at CBS, I went out on um, on a on a schooner. My my friend, who was head of CBS Labs, uh, had a had a big sailboat. And we would go racing on Long Island Sound. It was really fun, you know, to pull in the yard arm and the jib and you know, <laughs> not not get whacked by the by the by the mast going back and forth, that kind of thing. Anyway, he told me one day because this this had just come up in the 1970s about surveillance of citizens. Yeah. yeah. He said to me, he said, "It's not worth it. Most people don't have anything worth surveilling." True. And I got to thinking about that in this context, and I realized if they're not looking at us, they're looking for the proverbial needle in a haystack, and it's like, why would they expect ETs with advanced hyperdimensional physics and torsion technology and anti-gravity spacecraft, why would they expect them to be walking through airports and going through <laughs> magnetometers? Well, that, that would be called special forces, and they're on missions, and uh, okay, so our ancestors would have called these guys angels, which simply means messengers because they were giving us messages. And I wasn't kidding about being influencers since you brought that word up. They, it's a, it's like a very fine line. They do not violate our free will. They just will plant suggestions. Well, wait, 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 wait. If they're trying to, if they have an influencing program, they are really failing badly, unless well, unless they're succeeding, and the and and if they weren't doing something. We'd be in deep doo-doo, as George Bush said, you know, in, in spades, mixing our metaphors madly. Yeah, but okay, but it, it here's the thing. We don't know how much worse it would be. If exactly. They, I they, just, they, yeah, that's what I was uh, just saying. Uh, oh, okay, okay. Yeah. So when uh, coming back to what I was saying before, in 2011, 10? Well, anyway, I, could, I was living in Rhode Island. I couldn't quite figure out what was going on with this demonic – parasite like a spiritual parasite thing and but it was obviously affecting a lot of people badly and having been up close and personal with that problem i asked i'd reached out mentally whatever you call it telepathy or whatever mm. and i because i figured they're monitoring me still and i uh, i put it out there i said hey can you please help me put this into context slowly things started to click into place in ways that after i just this this it's not instantaneous, but I noticed like books that I'd read years before. Suddenly I would find them. I'd go to a bookstore and it would just be like, 
I'd open the page and it was like I'd never read the book before. I know I had, like Carlos Castaneda's whatever. Mm-hmm. He talked about these flyers, these like these entities that basically uh, uh, possess our minds. They somehow remotely influence us, but in a very, very negative parasitic way. So the bottom line is, after I asked for help, and they started giving it to me, and actually everything became so clear to me that one day I was in the shower, and I go, oh, my God. I remember there was a guy that actually took pictures of these things, and his name's Trevor James Constable. And it was out in the desert of California back in the 50s. I think he was using infrared film. Anyway, I jumped out of the shower jumped on the computer, <laughs> found those pictures, and I started to put together this article. It was the first article I ever wrote about these, the archons, this is what is, the Gnostics uh, called. Yes, yes, Jay is okay. mentioning them. So, so and look, other people have touched on this, but never quite the way it, it, I had help, is what I'm trying to tell you, from benevolent extraterrestrials that really helped clarify, put things into the proper context. Because I asked for help, and it was given to me. And, and, but the thing was, when I put together the article, I said, oh, my God. Now I have to put this out there. So I sent it to some people, and I even sent it to Lisa Lyons over there coast to coast, but she didn't respond. So, and, <laughs> well, so, and I'm not thinking, surprised. Not surprised. I know, but I, me neither. I don't really care, okay, because I just figured, well, whatever. I'm just going to put it out there. But then I thought, I said, oh, that's right. These guys, I asked these guys for help, and here's, here's proof that they helped me. So I said to them, mentally hey if you if you want me if you really want me to carry this water put this story out there be the messenger you got to give me a sign because i really don't want to do this to tell you the truth this is freak this is freaking me out i mean i asked for it but it's it's really scary and i don't know if i want to be the guy that's known as like exposing demons or something right and shortly after that i did get a call from lisa Lyons, and she was frantic and she says, can you come on the show tonight? I said, yeah, why? What's going on? She goes, George's dad just died. Oh. And, and we're scrambling to get – he's got to leave, and we need somebody tonight. I don't know why they didn't have anybody lined up that night. It was so bizarre. That's never happened before. We always book way in advance. You know, uh, I've done that show on uh, like – Well, but you can times. have people fall – I had someone fall out a couple uh, – Well, no. whatever it was. Yeah. You're right. But the, I'm just saying the circumstance. Anyway, so I – she says, or it was ha- conveniently arranged. It was arranged, or whatever. But the bottom line, yeah. See, I didn't want to bring that up right away. So she's she's frantic. She says, "Can you come on the show?" I said, "Yes." She says, "What do you have?" <laughs> like that? Not kidding. I'm not kidding. I was so going to say, just, talk about cart leading horse. Yeah, and so I emailed it to her. I didn't even tell her I sent it before. I just said, "Look, I'm going to I'm going to email you something right now. Look, at what, keep an eye on your email as we're on the phone." And it pops up in her box. She says, I got it. And she looks at it. And I say, are you looking at it? She's like, yeah. And I said, what do you think? She goes, we're going to do this. And I said, All right, wait, whoa, whoa, wait a second. Are you sure? And she said, yeah, we're doing this. I was like, okay. You know, I mean, your show, whatever. I get on the phone with George that night. And he is just like right on the edge of just losing it completely. He was just, I mean, naturally, right? The guy was just raw emotions and he was somehow managed to hold it together through the show but at one point he said to me robert this is the scariest thing i've ever heard before and i said actually talk about a subject to have to go into at at that moment with with his his father just oh my god 
Yeah. So, but, but, okay. This again. The only reason I'm telling you all this, and actually, what I told him was, George, this is actually a good thing. You know, we can't. You can't solve a problem unless you know you have one. And it's not just me or you. It's like this. This affects everybody, whether they're aware of it or not. And I said, the fact that we're talking about this now, finally, to such a huge audience, to bring it out a, in the open. Yeah, it's a very, very healthy thing. We should be we should be celebrating this. And my God, I was inundated with emails from all over the planet after that. A lot of people were thanking me, saying, oh, my God, thank goodness somebody's finally talking about this. We thought we were crazy. But, yeah, we've seen these things. We've dealt with them, and it's, well, it's, it's you, real. You know, the thing that occurs to me is if, if these this global security program where you go through mm-hmm. any airport anywhere and you're patted down and looked at with magnetometers and – you know, they take the baby formula away and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, if that's really looking for ETs who are living amongst us, human beings, members yep. of the family, yep. there must be a substantial number of ETs resident on Earth with jobs and kids and schools and PTA and all that that they're looking for. And then the question is, how do they tell them as different from just terrestrial human beings, are there yeah, are I'm, there significators? Are there things they're looking for? Do they have you know? I'm going to be facetious here. Two hearts, that kind of thing. <laughs> uh, larger, like like Doctor Who. Well, okay. Since you brought up hearts, you know the the most of the electricity in our bodies is centered in the heart. Yeah, and yeah, and so uh, they have a much more active. Uh, Heart chakra, I guess, is what some people will call it, uh, because they're, uh, as you and I were talking before about the field. But that means you have to have instrumentation, which is not what, we, but what we've been told. It has to be hyperdimensional torsion technology that's sensing, like my Accutron senses yep. interesting fields. Yeah, and, but see, you don't have to tell the people that work at the airport that you, that you just integrate it into the system and then it reports back. Mm-hmm. So, oh, no, yes, they, don't, they don't have to know anything at all. No, no, they just, yeah, it's, I'm sure it's there, Richard. And I'm sure a lot of it is also in space, you know, in the satellite systems, uh, remote sensing from space. They're looking for all that stuff. Mm, that's a lot more difficult. I know. know. Just, just, you know, that, that, that distance factor really, no, you got to do it on the ground. You need what's called ground truth. But it occurred to me, yep. if we in fact are part of some bigger, I mean, we may not even be the object of this war. We could be like, you know, the poor folks in Vietnam, just yeah. the folks caught in between, between two major superpowers, you know, yes. Russia and the United States back then. Yeah, well, sure. I mean, from a Christian perspective, it's called the war in heaven. I do think that's real. Of course, it's a distortion. It's it's not quite that way uh, because they think it's just a spiritual war, although that's part of it. It's multidimensional for sure. That That was proven to me that... Uh, not only are we multidimensional, but the well. Do you remember, the John? The bad guys are. This is going to take us in some bizarre directions. We got about yeah. four minutes till the uh, top of okay. the hour. I don't want to get into something very, very deep and heavy before we, you know, pass okay. the top of the hour, because I want to get back to the earthquake. Because I want to try to do this logically oh. and show right. people that we've thought about this. We have some documentation. We have evidence. We've organized this into a timeline. As bizarre as this subject may sound. The events yep. of the last couple, three weeks appear to fit into the model that things are coming to a head and we're on the brink of some major, shall we say, 
revelations and events. Right, or um, I wouldn't call it a solution, or maybe a resolution, some agreement, a, a truce um, at some point. You know, conflicts are like that, Richard, especially massive ones that scan, span, you know, solar systems or galaxies or, you know, interstellar regions. There's, there's got to be some, at some point, like a ceasefire. Um, well, part some, of it has to do, I think, and again, this is something I'm going to set up in this hour, and we'll right. you know resume it in the next hour. Yeah. If we're on the brink of major technological revolution that will export current human psychology and culture to the near parts of the galaxy, yeah, would you want us wandering around the galaxy? No, not in our current state. No, no. we need some. Yeah, so, we need to be. So if they're trying to keep us from doing that, when I say mm-hmm. us again, I'm talking about the power structure. Right. Like, let's take the Space Force. If the Space Force is a cover for really, you know, sending our guys to Alpha Centauri and Proxima and Bernard Starr and Sirius, Sirius in particular, and the folks there don't want us, maybe <laughs> the maybe the messaging is you stay in your little, you know, as Alex Jones very appropriately called it, prison planet, yeah, and we'll stay out here, <clears throat> and never the train shall meet. And if our guys maybe potentially even the breakaways are are chafing at the bit and want to get out of the box, that could be the occasion for an uptick in these rather interesting and overt things that look like intrusions into our yeah. nursery. Wow. Yeah, I, it's, that sounds feasible to me. Okay, so we are coming up to the top of the hour. Uh, my guest this morning is Robert Stanley, and we're we're definitely tackling a subject which is very, very controversial. Um, I mean, it really is hard to talk about this stuff in in mainstream because they think you're nuts. But no, we're not nuts. We're simply tracking data that has kind of fallen off the radar screen for the mainstream. You're on the other side of midnight. We're coming up to midnight here in the land of enchantment. The great American Southwest, as Art would call it. We shall return. Richard C. Hoagland and his fascinating guests. Join Club 19.5 to get access to exclusive member benefits. As a Club 19.5 member, you'll gain access to the rest of this show and all previous 350 episodes. Membership costs $9.95 a month. 33 cents a day. Support the broadcast that provides you with the most interesting conversation available. 
Talk Radio at the cutting edge of science and thought. TheOtherSideOfMidnight.com